Hey, Sean here from the Commander's Brew. Thank you for listening. And this is Tatiova Stewart of Tides. Stewart, steward of Tides. This is a Simic commander, pays you off for hitting lands. Disgusting value. Simic lives in that zone. And here is a theme that comes up a lot. Now, I don't, I don't want to get technical because how many decks have we done on the Commander's Brew? I don't know exactly because as you've probably noticed, the themes of the show, the way I'm approaching Commanders this way is less of a brew an exact deck, give you the deck list. Because there's often a lot of cool ideas or concepts or cards that just don't fit. So this way I get to talk about all of them. I'm going to talk about the fundamentals, kind of the core of the deck that makes it tick, and then I'm going to introduce a few different directions. This is the theme of how I'm doing most commanders this way. Uh, I like to use the phrase, I'm not going to give you a deck, I'm going to teach you to deck. Bit of a spin on the old fish thing there. And again, it happens all the time. I've done many decks, and you know, because of the way the show is, does this count as a deck? I think it does. So I'm going to say we've brewed four to 500 decks with the Commander's Brew. That is a ton of decks. This is episode 366, and it's been at least an average of more than one per deck because more one than one deck per show because we were doing two decks in the early portion of the show. And then shows like set reviews don't count as full decks, blah, blah, blah. My point is, there's a lot of times when I think to myself, I don't know if there's enough to do with this commander. We've seen it before. It's kind of whatever. And I'm always surprised always surprised. Tatiova Steward of Tides is no different. On the surface, it looks like a Simic commander that asks you to ramp. And if you're going to compare it to original Tatiova, where original Tatiova just has you draw every time a land comes in and gain a life, that's probably just from a value standpoint, just better. But I think this Tatiova might be more fun. Well, I'm, I'm going to read it when the deck tech portion begins, but I've talked about her enough that I should mention what she does. It's this green, green, blue for a 3-3 legendary Merfolk Druid. Land creatures you control have flying. Okay. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control seven or more lands, that is to say the seventh and further land, up to one target land you control becomes a 3-3 elemental creature with haste and is still a land. So we got to get to seven mana and, and then we start making a bunch of hasty flyers. Cool. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm. it feels like I'm kind of getting into the deck tech anyway, but, but I want to finish this thought completely and wrap it up. When you think a commander is going to be boring and you're like, well, I've seen and done that before, I urge you to just do a little bit of exploring. You can always find some cool and interesting things to do. Take it from me. I have brewed hundreds, 200, 300 commander decks, and I'm still finding cool and interesting things to do. Certainly, part of that is the fact that I don't play all of these decks. It's just a sad truth. I've got less time to play Commander than I have to... It's funny, right? I'm doing a podcast about Commander decks. So a portion of my free time, my, you know, the optional time I can spend on whatever I want, I spend doing the show because I love doing the show. But that does take away from time spent playing Commander. You only have so many hours in the day. So I think that's another reason like I have never but but still I mean I think I'm pretty good at the empathy I'm pretty think I'm pretty good at imagining what it's like to play these kind of imagining what it feels like to achieve these combos these moves these neat moves that we love so much here on the show and 
Suffice to say, this feels like a different enough commander. You can brew it in a different enough way. There's a couple of neat surprises coming up too. Uh, I don't want to spoil the surprises portion. Debating whether or not it's going to make it into the title because, you know, you got to have a good title. The title's got to grab people. It's got to pull you in. So maybe the title will give a little bit away, but I hope not. But we'll see when I publish it. In any case, let's hear a couple of ads, a real one and a fake one. Before we do, the ads will be fake and real for the Wizards Tower. But I also want to say TCG Player Link, patreon.com slash commandersbrew, like and subscribe on YouTube, all that good stuff. Here's those two ads. Do you have little kids? They're gonna love the Dark Steel Industries children's album by the Phyrexian Five. With the classic song, I like to compliot, eopples, and bnyanyas. And other hits like... Order now to get all these songs on seven cassettes or four CDs. And now, the real ad from the Wizard's Tower, wizardtower.com, a super fun website where you can get all sorts of great articles and stick texts. And if you're watching us from Canada, you can use coupon code BREWUNITED to get 5% off your magic singles. As long as you spend $20 or more, ask your parents for $20. And now, back to the show. Okay, Tatiova, Steward of Tides, Green Green Blue, Legendary Creature, Merfolk, Druid, Land Creatures You Control are Flying. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control seven or more lands, up to one target land you control becomes a 3-3 elemental creature with haste. It's still a land. You get a 3-3 for this, and as I said, all of the lands you play that are the seventh and beyond become 3-3 lands with haste creatures. They also have flying if Tetiova's on the board. So I think off the top of my head, as I said, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to start with the core, the things that the deck will definitely probably run almost any way you slice it. Then we're going to get into some fun, neat moves. And straight off the top, we're not doing landfall, kind of. I mean, it's not a landfall centered deck. There are the occasional landfall trigger in here, but we're not just building it up to get as much landfall as possible. So I think it's about getting lands on the battlefield. So obviously we're going to lean heavily on the green getting creatures sorry getting lands out into play right onto the battlefield there's tons of instants and sorceries we are leaning away from mana dorks that do that and mana rocks we mostly want to have actual lands on the battlefield and we do kind of budget around here i think about budget from time to time there's a couple pricey ones in here which i will highlight but if you want to start with your tap land, your blue green tap land, that goes on turn one. And then on turn two, you're going to cast one of the myriad of two mana ramp spells that put extra lands into play. There's tons of them. Rampant growth is the classic. That's why we call it ramp. Two mana, search for a basic, put it in play tapped. Three visits is an old portal one uh, that got reprinted in Battle for Baldur's Gate, the commander one. So now that's much cheaper, but it's still like five six bucks but this specifically looks for a forest and puts it onto the battlefield untapped mind you farseek specifically has to get a plains because you're allowed to search for a plains island swamp or mountain if you want to run one of those new dual colored lands that actually say forest island on it you can get that with farseek but probably we're looking at mostly just islands here nature's lore search for a forest put out of the battlefield same thing this is the dollar version of three visits that you know comes into play untapped etc uh great into the north this is a cool one 
any snow land put into play tapped. So here's how we can get either green or blue, but that means we have to run snow basics. And it's one of those things like it's a cost thing. Uh, that's a there's a that's a lot of expense to give your whole mana base be snow. And let me tell you, we're doing a lot of ramping for basics, so we need a hearty chunk of basics. So maybe this isn't worth it for you. I think the green snowy ones are a little bit cheaper. I don't even know because I don't think about this sort of thing into the north. If you want that redundancy, we additionally have things like Edge of Autumn. It's a sorcery for one in green, but it, it you kind of counts the number of lands you have. This one's only a quarter. If you control four or fewer, you get to put a land out tapped, uh, a basic. But if you don't have four or fewer, you can't actually cast this. You have to cycle it or do nothing with it. And the cost of cycling it is sacrificing a land. Don't love that idea. But again, we want to hit it early. We want to increase that redundancy because our turn to play wants to be one of these two mana things. Emergent sequence as well. One in a green sorcery. Search for a basic, put it in tapped, then shuffle. Now that land becomes a zero zero fractal with a plus one plus one counter for each land that entered the battlefield this turn under your control. So probably two. We probably played an untapped land and then we cast this, we searched up one and it becomes a two two. It's a little bit more fragile because now it's a creature, but I don't know that that's going to be an issue because we're going to be making a lot of our lands into creatures. So they're all similarly fragile. Anyway, emergent sequence makes it in. Well, I've already mentioned like, was that six or seven of them? And there's a couple more. So if we really want to hit this on two, we run all of those. And then we the idea is you play a land on turn three, because now which is your fourth land, right? So like we've done play a land, play a land and ramp. Next turn, play a land, which is four. And then we're going to ramp with one of our four mana rampers. Explosive vegetation is the classic search for two basics onto the battlefield tapped. Migration path, same thing, but you also can cycle it for two if you want. I want to talk Nissa's Expedition. This is a five mana sorcery to get two basics, which is one additional mana. However, it is Convoke. That's what I think is interesting about this. I love being able to get two basics for less than four mana if we've got a couple of creatures to tap for it. I realize the irony that if we're planning on having a lot of land creatures, a land creature tapping for Convoke is only fun if you are very particular and you're like, I'm tapping these three land creatures not for mana, but for Convoke, just to be kind of cheeky. Anyway, is this worth running? Up to you. There, Honestly, there are so many of these types of cards that's just great. We, we've got our choice. Do you want to get them lean? They get one on average. Do you want to go heavier on the ones that get multiples? Speaking of multiples, Boundless Realms. It's a seven mana sorcery. It's up to about three bucks. Uh, Search your library for X basic land cards, where X is the number of lands you already have. Put them onto the battlefield tapped. This turbocharges your land things. Now, they come into play tapped, and you probably tapped most of your lands to get them. So everything ends up tapped, but everything is creatures now. Similarly, a way to get a lot of untapped ones, uh, what I mean is you don't they don't come into play untapped, but you get to use less of your lands to do so is harvest season. Two in a green, sorcery, search for X basic lands, put them in the battlefield tapped, where X is the number of tapped creatures you control. Well, if our lands are mostly creatures, we can use three of them to cast harvest season and minimum three lands like that. Probably more. Because if I have more lands, I'm going to put all that mana in my mana pool and then just cast a harvest season for as many as I can, turning them even more of them into creatures. This deck's cool. I want to quickly highlight Sporocyst. 
It's a Tyranid. It's from the Warhammer decks. XX Green, 0 0 Tyranid. It's got Defender, but it's got Ravenous. If it enters with five or more plus one plus one counters, draw a card. So XX, each X adds a plus one plus one counter kind of deal. 0 0 with Defender. Yeah, it enters with X plus one plus one counters on it. But here's the key. When Sporocyst enters the battlefield, search your library for up to X basic lands, put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Maybe not as many as Boundless Realms. I'm just including this as a little nod to Warhammer 40k. There's some busted cards in there. Stay tuned for next week, where I'll be giving some quick takes on some of the commanders that came in those sets. Who, baby? Hang on. So this is, you know, combat. Now we're in combat. We're attacking. We've got a lot of flying 3-3s. Maybe they're not flying, but I suspect a lot of them will still be if we've got Tatiova around. And what do we do with this mana? How do we capitalize? How do we close the game? Maybe something like Biomass Mutation, X and then two hybrid Simics. So blue, blue X, green, green X, some combination. It's an instant. Creatures you control have base power and toughness XX until end of turn. So they started as three threes. We have to spend more than five to make them more than three threes, because if we spend less, then we will actually be shrinking them. They're not actually with plus one, plus one counters. They just have a new amount of power toughness. It's a possibility. My preferred version is Beastmaster Ascension. Two and a green for an enchantment. Whenever you attack with a creature, put a quest counter. And as long as it has seven, all your creatures get plus five, plus five. We will be attacking with lots of creatures at once, I suspect. So they'll automatically go up from three, three to eight, eight. A bunch of flying eight, eights closes the game toot sweet. Cool. That's a bit of a foundational kind of package there. A lot of those cards are kind of staples. Obviously, you pick and choose which ramp cards you like. The ones, if you got more money, you pay for some more fancy ones. But I want to get more for my mana. I want to now talk about things that let us tap for additional mana when we tap things. I'm highlighting Nissa, Who Shakes the World, which is the War of the Spark Nissa, the five mana, five loyalty, and then the static is all of your forests tap for an additional green. You can do plus one to put three plus one plus one counters on a target non-creature land you control. I just noticed this is non-creature land, so we can't do this before Tetiova does her thing untap it it becomes a zero zero elemental with vigilance and haste still a land then we play a land somehow and tachiova makes that a three three that now has plus has three counters on it so that's a six six with vigilance and haste and flying if tachiova's around we can minus eight nissa if we ever get there you get an emblem with lands you control are indestructible and also search your library for any number of forests put them on the battlefield tapped and then shuffle this is huge if we can get this to ultimate we protect our majority of our creature base which is also our land base i know what you're thinking it's a very risky strategy a lot of our lands are our creatures so one board wipe puts us deep into the basement i got you back hang on one second though i'm talking about mana doublers mana enhancers zendikar resurgent is a hefty seven mana enchantment whenever you tap a land for mana add one mana of any type that land produced and whenever you cast a creature spell draw a card I don't expect to draw tons of cards off this, but I do expect to tap for lots of extra lands. This is how we're going to cast things like Boundless Realms or Bount uh, Bountiful Harvest, Harvest Season, whatever that one was with all the tap creatures. This is the way we're going to spend more mana while leaving a lot of lands open to turn into hasty 3-3 flyers. Leyline of Abundance. It's an enchantment that if it's in our opening hand, we can just start with it on the battlefield. It's two green green enchantment. If it's And when we tap a creature for mana, add an additional green. Well, the lands are creatures, so now they tap for two. In addition, we can pay six green green to put a plus one plus one on each creature you control. Could be useful. Okay, so what we just talked about could be considered the core of the deck. 
that's kind of what we're doing. That's, you know, we're putting out a lot of lands at rapid speed, making a bunch of flyers and attacking for bigness. Cool. And this is where if we stop brewing, we can just optimize. We can put in a couple of counter spells, put in a couple of big splashy spells because we've got the mana for it and, you know, call it a day. That's not what we do here. We're, we're not going to call it a day. We're going to keep going and it's going to right. So here we go. Check this out. Now we've got a base, a solid base. What we're looking for are some key cards that let us untap our lands and just keep the party going. Something like Turnabout. It's a $5 card way back from Urza's Saga. It's a two blue blue instant. You choose artifact creature or land, target a player, and then you either untap all of what you picked or tap all of what you picked. So we're going to pick us and we're going to say untap everything. So now we untap all of our lands. A lot of them are creatures. We maybe we're tapping for double ideally. That's great. Mana pool is getting thick. Benefactor's Drought is an expensive two mana instant. One in a green instant, untap all creatures until end of turn. Whenever a creature an opponent controls blocks, draw a card. So we untap all the creatures, which includes our opponent's creatures. I hate doing things for our opponents. But since a lot of our creatures will be lands at this point, that's the plan. We will. This will effectively be untap a lot of your lands. Why is this a $10 card? I don't know. It's one in a green. It's, it's untaps all the creatures. I guess it's fancy block. Honestly, uh, this card perplexes me a little bit. I don't run it in decks, so I don't. I've never seen it work. I don't know what. It, I don't know how it, it's. It's got to be one of those cards that feels way better than it actually is. Than it looks. Like it looks good, but it's probably great. It's ten bucks. It's a weird, unique effect that was only printed in a commander deck. So I guess that's why. It reminds me of Heroic Intervention, just a two-mana instant that costs a lot. But I'm looking at it. Heroic Intervention's up to $15. One in a green instant. Permanence you control getting hexproof and indestructible to the turn. I mean, is is that so hard in green? Like they've reprinted this thing a bunch, but we it's still 15 bucks. That drought card's only 10. I mean, Boros Charm is so good like why why can't green have this more or in like different ways give me a three mana version that also like makes a token or populates or something like that so like it just feels better i don't know to a spence and so if we do have enough this taps for more mana then we can actually profit from something like reality spasm this is x blue blue instant choose one tap x things or untap x things just as target permanence, so we can hit our own lands, we can untap them. Obviously, if we're spending the same, I mean, there's that two blue investment, but if we're if we're making extra mana, then this definitely will pay us back if we have one of those going. Right, so let me keep painting the picture for you. So now we've got this huge mana pool going. We've got a massive amount of mana. Hopefully, it starts with one doubler and one of those untappy things. That's kind of the baseline. We have ramped a bunch. We've got so much ramp in the deck that we will definitely have done so. We're starting to make a lot of creatures out of our lands. Now that we've got that one turn where we've got a massive amount of mana, we cast a big old blue sun zenith or a pull from tomorrow, um, maybe an even the score. That's the one from New Capenna. It's blue, blue, blue X instant, but it costs blue, blue, blue less if an opponent has drawn four or more cards this turn. I don't predict that'll come up a lot, but it's a nice option to have. Using these cards, we're going to leave a little bit of mana open. Again, hopefully we can do this, and hopefully we can find another piece of the puzzle to keep that chain going. Now we've got a really fat hand, and hopefully we can find something like a Vitalize 
green instant untap all creatures you control mobilize green sorcery untap all creatures you control this one's from portal so that one's seven bucks but the vitalize one is uh, 65 cents we get to do that we get to fill up our hand again maybe we've got another x spell in our hand uh, i haven't mentioned this one yet but um, i'm excited about diviner's portent blue 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 x instant draw x cards basically but first you roll a d20 and you add the number of cards in your hand so if this is the first big x spell we play in a turn maybe we got like three four cards left in our hand so we're not going to add a lot to our d20 but if this combo keeps going, if we can keep the chain going, the, if this is the second X spell we cast for some reason, and we roll 15 plus, it's scry X, then draw X cards. You know me, I've all, I've wished, I've wished wizards printed a card that is X blue instant scry X. That's all I want. Uh, but this is, I mean, this is the most scry you can get if you roll high enough. And again, if our hand is huge, we will guarantee that roll. That's not the point. The point is not to just scry a million times, but I mean, scrying helps though, because we, we, we do want to find, if we're looking for that single man immobilize or vitalize, scrying for 11 or scrying for 15 certainly should get us, I mean, it's a hundred card deck, so I guess that doesn't get us there, but the odds get pretty good. And there's other options too. Early harvest is a three mana instant, one green green, target player untaps all basics they control. You know, we've got quite a few basics like all of our ramp looks for basics so we will be heavy basics we can even kind of build it so we're like almost all basics if possible man throw down a lotus cobra so like while we're doing this thing we're just generating even more mana as we go just to facilitate this sort of thing and so another couple pieces of this puzzle like this is this is the heart of the deck as far as i'm concerned what i described as the core earlier to me was more of like the the foundation this is the core Casting big spells with big mana and finding things to untap that mana and make even more mana. I want to highlight an enchantment, Faces of the Past. It's from Scourge. It's a buck 25. I think this, if this is a popular, like this is the number one card in this deck. I don't always talk about number one cards for decks because usually there isn't a clear like, oh, this commander has to have this card. Yeah. There's often a card that's like, ooh, this card's really good in this commander deck. And the price goes up a little bit. But I think this is for Tatiova. Like, if this commander gets popular, and maybe maybe it won't. Maybe this commander won't get popular because there's so much Simic stuff. But man, Faces of the Past. Two and a blue. Enchantment. Whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play. I'm going to read the Oracle text. That's how old it is. Whenever a creature dies, tap all untapped creatures that share a type, a creature type with it or untap all tapped creatures that share a creature type with it. These creatures are type land. So when one cre of our land creatures dies, we untap all the other of our land, cre of all of our lands, all tapped creatures, no specific creatures. So all of our other land creatures get untapped. So if we've got seven creature lands, one dies, six untap, one more dies, five untaps, one more dies, four untaps. So and we're putting all that mana in our mana pool anyway. While we're digging for some massive piece of the combo, you might be saying like, but don't we need a sack outlet? I mean, this card's, this deck's got a lot of ramp, got a lot of stuff. How much room for a sack outlet do we have? Well, I'll tell you, we got room for Zurin Orb. It's a zero mana artifact. So as long as we find it anytime, we're just going to hold on to this thing. We do not need to cast this until something like Faces of the Past is out there or ready to cast. We drop it for free. It's an artifact. It has a free activated ability, sacrifice a land, gain two life. 
It costs no extra mana. We drop it. We start sacking one land, faces of the past, untap the rest. It's a zero. The, oh man, the opportunity cost is so low to get Zeranorb going. That's what we're going to do. Or, you know what? You want to get fancier? This is like a straight combo. It's a 250 card. Perilous Forays. Three green green for an enchantment. And you got an ability by paying one. There's no taps. You just got to pay one and sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a land card with a basic type. Put it into play tapped, then shuffle. Well, guess what? That creature that comes into play tapped is going to become another creature, which we can sack to get another land, to sack to get another land, to sack to get another land. This is awesome with Faces of the Past, obviously, because we tap seven and then untap seven. Like, we just keep it rolling. You know, and since creatures might be dying, let's throw a Titania Protector of Argoth in there. This is the five mana five three legendary elemental. When she dies, sorry, when she enters the battlefield, you return a land from your graveyard to the battlefield. Cool. And whenever a land you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, aka one of these creatures dies, you make a 5-3 green elemental creature token. This is crucial because you gotta protect your creatures. Your creatures are your lands, and if someone wraths, it sucks. But if you can turn them all into 5-3s when it happens, maybe you can kind of crawl your way back from here. And there, In theory, there is enough ramp in the deck that we might be able to rebuild pretty quickly. You know, if you've got the money... Let's drop 10 bucks. I know I'm, I'm highlighting a lot of $10 cards, but I think Ren and Seven go very nicely here. Three green green for a five loyalty planeswalker. I'm going to highlight the zero ability. Remember, part of this plan is to draw a ton of cards at once. So the zero ability is put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. Just dump out tons of lands, the ones that we've just kind of gotten a hold of that's a great way it'll trigger a bunch more things to make a bunch more lands into creatures if tatiova's out Oof. a different x spell i haven't talked about either is genesis wave green 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 x sorcery reveal the top x cards of your library put any number of permanents with less mana value than x and then all the ones that weren't put on the battlefield go into your graveyard so basically anything that's permanent including lands is gonna go on to the battlefield we're mainly in it for the lands. we'll grab a couple creatures here maybe that zern orb pops out you may put any number. Yeah, if we don't do it, it goes into the graveyard. So we can hit our phases of the past enchantment. We can get lands. We can get perilous forays. We will definitely be, X will definitely be more than five for this. And if you've got like expensive, there's some expensive cards. If you've got, geez, $50, this card's $50, finale of devastation, sorcery, green X, sorry, X, green, green. So we're looking to make X 12, which is very doable in this deck. Search your library and graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. If X is 10 or more, creatures you control get plus X plus X and gain haste until end of turn. We got flying lands. A bunch of them are creatures. Maybe we're sandbagging uh, like an early harvest to untap everything anyway. Mobilization. This will finish a game for sure. You know, I mean... <laughs> I would say like, well, all, if you got this, then throw in a Crater Hoof Behemoth or an Endra's Forerunners to also get on. But like if you're doing Finale of Devastation, all you don't need another expensive card to do go with it. How does this get so much? Okay, let's address protection. Uh, I've hinted at it. The deck can be very fragile. I do like that. I do like that it's a very high risk, high reward thing. I'm a fan of that type of thing. But one way we can protect our lands slash creatures is change of plans. I already talked about Heroic Intervention. Obviously, that's one. But Change of Plans is X1 blue, instant. Each of X target creatures you control connive. 
That means you they you get to draw a card and then discard a card. And if you discarded a non-land card, you put a plus one plus one counter on them. That is relevant because those three three lands now have a plus one plus one counter and become four four lands. You may have any number of them phase out. That's the key. That's what it's in here for. The connive is a very nice move to go digging for like more of your combo pieces to just fuel all that card draw and all that untapping for that one massive turn. And then something like Splendid Reclamation, although isn't protection per se, it's the perfect rebuild. Three and a green sorcery, return all lands from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. If somehow we can pop down Tatiova before this, they will all become creatures again. And I know that puts us in jeopardy of the exact same thing happening again, but man, what a fun thing. And then World Shaper for the same thing. It's a four mana creature with the same ability when it dies. When it when this dies, return all the lands from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Also, whenever this one attacks, you may mail three cards. So not bad. Perilous Forays plus this is a nice way to just kind of, we can sack a bunch of our lands, untap them with faces. Perilous Forays has put a bunch of lands in the graveyard. Then we sack World Shaper to put all those lands back. It, it It's conceivable that every single one of our lands will be a creature. Again, high risk, high reward. I like it. I want to highlight a cool, neat move. Just neat move. Neat move. Cool neat move is, I'm just saying cool in front, but the official term is neat move. This is a neat move with Yodora. Yodora Grave Gardener, four and a green, legendary tree folk druid. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, all those lands will be non-token creatures. You may return it to the battlefield face down under its owner's control. It's a forest land. So we'll flip our face up lands into face down lands and they become forests. We start losing blue this way, but they all the lands just come back automatically. This is an excellent card that should definitely go into the deck. Let's talk about money again. This card is only 50 cents, but it pops off if we can drop another 10 bucks for Yavamaya Cradle of Growth. This is the legendary land that says each land is a forest in addition to its other types, and we are allowed to run Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth if we want. And we do want to if we have the 35 bucks it costs. Legendary land, each land is a swamp in addition to his other types. The reason this is key with Eudora is because these two work very nicely now with the new New Capenna fetch lands. Cabaretti Courtyard, for example. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it. When you do, search for a basic mountain, forest, or plains, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle, and you gain one life. They all hit either a blue or a green, so we can run all five. A lot of them will only hit one of our two colors, but that's okay, because if Urborg or Yavimaya are out, we get to tap it for its mana, which might be one green or one black. We can, we're tapping it as a swamp. Maybe we're getting an extra green out of it because we've got one of those doublers, so we're getting mana out of it. It triggers Tetyova, which makes a, something into a 3-3 creature. And if I'm not mistaken, we can stack the triggers where this will enter and its own sack trigger will go on the stack as well as Tatiova's trigger. We can stack them so if it matters, we can put the we can make this cabaretty courtyard, which has now tapped for green, black, or green, green. Let's just say green. It can become a creature so that maybe Yodora sees it die and it comes back as a land. And we still get to find that forest that it was going to find anyway. It's actual ramp with Yodora. And even if we didn't have Yavamaya or Urborg, we really got to get the three other ones. We got to get some white, blue, and black one that works the same way. Anyway, Yodora plus these five fetch lands put two lands onto the battlefield. The one that dies, 
as a creature comes back as a forest land, and the one we find is the second one. Very nice. And if Yodora is crucial, if you know Yodora does protect against a wrath too, all of those, all of her, all of our creatures come back as lands, which is great protection. It might be important enough to put a little bit of tutor bonus in there. I'm not talking tutors that go for creatures. I'm talking stuff like Neoform. Blue-green sorcery has an additional cost sack a creature. Search for a creature with mana value equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's mana value. Put that onto the battlefield with an extra plus one plus encounter and then shuffle. There's a few of these types of effects and they are the ones, I mean, there's one that adds plus two, but I'm interested in the ones that say mana value equal to one plus because, you know, we're in control of what's in our deck. We can kind of lean on some four drops that are very useful and there's a ton of them. Solemn Simulacrum, a classic, just ramps us and it draws us a card. Cool. Archaeomancer, two blue blue human wizard, one two. When it enters, return an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. We want this ability. We want to put back a mobilize maybe or something that untaps everything. Maybe we want to bring back a heroic intervention. Just hang on to it just in case. This thing is great in the deck and then we can turn it into a Yodora once it's done its job. Timeless Witness. It's one more mana than Eternal Witness, although Timeless is a synonym of Eternal, uh, but it also has Eternalized, which is weird that the Timeless one Eternalizes and not Eternal. Anyway, basically it's a four mana creature that enters and you return a, cre a card from your graveyard to your hand. Same as Archaeomancer, but it's we can get more options. We could run the cheaper one, but again, if we're interested in Eudora that much, we can run a Neoform and that makes Timeless Witness a preferred version. And let's say we already have Yodora. You might be asking, well, what's the point of the, all these Neoform abilities? Well, we get to use them on all of our land creatures. We can sack a land as a zero mana value creature to get a one drop. Elvish Reclaimer is excellent in the deck. Single green elf warrior, one, two. It gets plus two, plus two, as long as there's three or more lands in your graveyard. And you can pay two in a tap, sack a land, search for any land, put it onto the battlefield, tapped, and then shuffle. No restriction. Doesn't have to be basic. We can get Yavamaya or Urborg if we want to. This card's up to almost 10 bucks. Wow. This deck's expensive. It's all that mana. Like, well, like, like if you want to just get a ton of mana, a ton of options, a ton of selection, it just costs so much. Ugh, I hate it. Another one drop is Sylvan Safekeeper. Human Wizards. One, one for one. Sack of land. Tiger creature gains shroud until end of turn. Could be really useful to protect Tatiova. And sacking a land, that could also be a creature. We will definitely have some options for it. In addition, it's another thing that helps when, if we get that faces of the past going and we want to be able to sack creatures. It's also a one drop, so while we're trying to build the combo, we only need one extra mana to pull it off. This is also a $15 card. Jeez. Well, it's because it's like from way back in one of the original commander decks. And that's it. It's Judgment, OG Commander and then Commander Anthology, and that's it. Ugh. We need a reprint, Wizards. Let's talk about Baldur's Gate. It is a gate. A legendary land. Taps for colorless. You can pay two, tap, add X mana of any one color, where X is the number of other gates you control. So this thing doesn't start to pay us off until we have at least three gates, right? So we tap two other lands. Well, we have to have gates. So let's say we have two other gates. We spend two mana, and then we tap... Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate is our third gate. We add X mana of any one color where X is the number of other gates you control. So if we have two other gates, 
we will add two to our mana pool, but we've tapped three lands. I'm realizing now we need at least three other gates for this to break even. But anything more than three means this becomes profit, especially if we can get extra untaps going. Any land that taps for more than one when we're untapping lands is big. So if we need three other gates to make Baldur's Gate work, that's four gates total. How are we doing on gates in a Simic deck? Well, we got Baldur's Gate. We obviously have Simic Guild Gate. We have those two. There's like Sea Gate and Manor Gate. There's a bunch of gates that come in tapped and you choose a color other than blue. And for Manor Gate, you choose a color other than green. We will choose blue and green for the appropriate one. And so it's basically they become Simic Guild Gates functionally. Then we got stuff like Heap Gate. It's just a colorless gate that anyone can run. It taps for colorless or you can filter mana through it to add men of any color. So it kind of, you have to pay a little extra, but we're not interested in that, but we might want to pay one and tap an untapped gate you control to create a treasure token. That's ramp two. I'll take it. We can afford a few non, we can afford a few colorless lands because of the way we're doing this deck. Gond gate is kind of another Simic guild gate, I guess. It comes into play untapped. Gates you control enter untapped, which is nice. It taps for colorless or taps to add one man of any color that a gate you control could produce. We're up to nine gates and we can find Baldur's Gate to get the first one going with crop rotation. Uh, you have to sack a land, but you search for a land card, put out of the battlefield, then shuffle your library. If we don't have Baldur's Gate, we'll get some more backup gates. We'll build up our gates so that becomes great. And there's tons of ways to just get lands. Elvish Reclaimer, as I mentioned, open the gates as a sorcery for a green. Search for a gate, put it into your hand and shuffle. Circuitous Root is another four mana ramp spell that I neglected to mention earlier because I'm talking about it now in the gate section. Search for two basics and or gates. Put them in the battlefield tamped. Hour of Promise is a five mana spell that lets you search for two lands, no restriction. However, they want you to find deserts because that's how you get the zombie creature tokens. But honestly, who cares? Let's just get two more gates. And of course, the best way to get all your gates at once is to cast Escape Shift. Two green green for a sorcery, sack any number of lands, search your library for that many lands, put them onto the battlefield tapped. So if you're short six gates, just sack six regular lands and turn them into gates. So it's got me thinking. Nine gates. Simic. Two color deck. Can we do Maze's End? Maze's End is a land that enters the battlefield tapped. You tap to add colorless to your mana pool. You can pay three to return Maze's End to its owner's hand. Search your library for a gate card put onto the battlefield, and then shuffle. If you control 10 or more gates with different names, you win the game. We have nine gates now. And listen, I'm trying to figure out where to get that 10th gate from. You can't use Thespian Stage because Thespian Stage copies a land and then it, so we can copy one of our other gates, but it has the same name. We have to give it a different name. We wrestled back and forth with the idea of Spy Kit, where if you equip a creature, it has every creature name, but it'll still like, like, so the notion is it won't have the name of a gate, right? Like we, we, the gates aren't creatures by definition. So, and even if we were to thespian stage and then put spy kit, it's a weird conundrum where it has the same name, but it also has a bunch of different names. So like, honestly, I don't understand mazes end. Like it does have, they do have different names. I have to look that one up. So like, Thespian Stage plus Spy Kit might work. I don't think it does. It feels like it shouldn't. Uh, but Sakashima the Imposter, this is the 10th gate. 
to Blue Blue, Legendary Human Rogue. It's a $10 card, 3-1. As this comes into play, you may choose a creature in play. You may have it enter as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except its name is Sakashima the Imposter. Except its name is different. We can copy any of those gates. It is legendary in addition to its other types. It retains the type of gate. And it has two blue blue return this creature to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next hand step. That's the, that's the tenth gate. Now, for Amazes End Victory, you actually can't cast Sakashima at the end because part of... Well, can you? Let's read Mazes End again. Because Mazes End finds the tenth one. I guess we could fail to find, but we have to activate that ability, and then we have to have ten gates with different names. So, whew, I want to do this. Listen, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This is wild, which is my favorite thing. It is fragile. There are definitely opportunities where you're going you're gonna to lose a lot. You are going to, you know, how will I ever financially recover from this, or however the meme goes. I will never financially recover. Like, you, you might lose all your lands. It's very tempting for an opponent to be like, oh, all your lands are creatures? Okay, I'll wrath everything. Uh, <laughs> but, man, what a fun deck. I love a deck like this. Just crushing turns. Like, there's that key turn. And there's enough to do. There's lots of ramp. There's lots of little creatures and things. You're in the game even if you're not doing that. But when you're ready to go off, ooh, you go off. My kind of deck. Go big or go home. Thanks for listening, everybody. You keep being you. World is a better place for it. See you next time.